welcome to Peanut Bread Quarterly Slush Pile. We do the curating so you don't have to. Uh, Painted Bright Quarterly is so happy to always have so many submissions in our in our lineup, and we've decided to make this podcast so that you can get a peek in on our editorial process. So essentially, that's what we're going to do right here, right now, is discuss two poems by one author, and um, and then have our editorial board meeting right here on air. So the me that's speaking right now is Kathleen Volk Miller, and we're coming to you from the Corman studio in um, misty, weird Philadelphia today. It's, it's super muggy, and there was actually a strange fog um, on the train tracks as I was coming over, which is weird for this time of day, you know, 10 o'clock, 10.30 a.m., and it hasn't burned off. So very strange. Um, but one thing that's wonderful and not strange at all is that Marion Rudd is right here touching distance. I'm grabbing her leg as I tell you about it. We're even sharing a mic, so you know how happy that makes me. Hi, Marion. Hi, Kathleen. It's always nice to be grabbed by you. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they say. Oh. You know, <laughs> what a great description of, of this slush pile. It, it grabs me. Every time uh, I sit and have a conversation with this, with this crew about what makes a poem a great poem is a freaking delight. So... Thank you very much. Lovely to be here. And to my left is... Hi, I'm Isabella Fidanza. I'm a grad student here at Drexel in the publishing program with Kathleen. Mm-hmm. So, all publishing all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and over to the left we have... Uh, I am Ollie Zivash Tamari, and I am a rising senior here at Drexel University. Uh, Coming up on uh, the last five weeks Stop. of my partnership here <laughs> at PBQ and DPG. I know you're all very sad. Very sad. You're so sad. It can't be true. It flew by. It, it did fly by. Did you say five weeks or five days? Five weeks. Okay, good. That's yeah. Not that soon. Yeah, not that soon, yeah. Dressel terms aren't that fast. <laughs> We're fast around here. But, yeah, and I'm doing everything I can to um, keep him working with us over the next academic year when we have him Um, but like so many of our other people I hope he stays in Philly and and is a lifer he feels like a lifer Mm. I'm hoping Um, who's out in New York hi it is Jason Schneiderman I am out in New York I am coming to you from my mother's writing desk nice (laughs) so romantic in my lovely bedroom slash home office slash walk-in closet slash (laughs) closet slash television room um, and yeah, um, and our ongoing joke is very similar to your joke, which is that New York is now Florida. Oh, yeah. We now have these like really muggy overcast right. days, right. which then burst into monsoon like rains. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty grim. I lost my umbrella. Oh, well. You'll bring a ray of sunshine to the gloomy days, Jason. I, yeah. I am not known as a ray of sunshine. We can pretend. I, it's okay. I, think I am usually known as the as the ray of gloom. Never. <laughs> Never. We deal with fiction, so it's fine. You yeah. know what? I, I'm I I need to tell you all the story. I wasn't going to. So yesterday was bright and sunny, <laughs> and I didn't look at the weather, but I'm having these eye issues, and so I had the I have these bloodshot eyes. <laughs> And I was late for our meeting, and then I had a then. But meanwhile, our um, university does these book circles, and this book, uh, this quarter's book was Trevor Noah's Born a Crime. 
So I wanted to read it anyway. I've never participated in one of these, and I really wanted to participate. So I did so, and I read it last week at the beach, and I loved it, and I really wanted to go to the session. So even though I was coming late out of the meeting, I was late for, I still ran to where the book center was in the bright sunshine, and the clouds opened up, and I, and I, I was in a torrential oh. downpour. Oh, no. So I'm still, Kathy, you know me, you know me. I'm like, this is fine, this is fine. I was hot anyway. <laughs> and um, But meanwhile, I was dressed, I was wearing platform shoes, strappy sandal things, and I, I'm like, I'm going to go in that building, and I'm going to find the first lady's room and towel off, and hopefully there's a blower sort there. And, you know, I'll just get myself situated before I enter the book circle, even though I'm already late. I'm like, I still got this. I still got this. That's really seeking Susan, where you dried off. Yeah, and you're in the hair Right, right. But then I opened the door to the James Marks Intercultural Center, and the book circle is happening in the lobby. And it is not eight women who I expected it to do. It's 40 people minimum sitting in that lobby. And I literally, like, walked in, stopped the show. I'm dripping on the carpet. The coordinator had to, like, point me to the bathroom because there was no pretending I wasn't there. You know what I mean? There was no discretion. Like, it was just like, we have to address the dripping woman. <laughs> so they address the dripping woman. I go to the bathroom. There's no blow dryers. There's paper towels. Oh. I'm doing the best I can. And I'm like, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. I come back to the group. I go to sit down. I fall off my shoes. Stop it. I fall off my shoes. And do you know why I fell off my shoes? That's Fear such a red. memorable phrase. I fell oh. off my shoes. I fell off my shoes because... I fell off my shoes because what does they, that mean? They broke. Oh Your my shoes god! So my shoes broke. That's bad. I think they broke <laughs> because bad. I was running in the rain. Yes. Right. They so like wet, they, they weren't meant stretched. to be wet and stretched. And yes. Yeah. And so all of that happened, yeah. and so much more. I'll tell you about <laughs> oh when we're not on air. Uh, how does the story end? That is, you were standing up, and you just fell. I just fell off my shoes. Unbelievable. Your shoes just—that's like the earth opening up. <laughs> Swallow you. I need an animation of this now. Do you, do you remember when, like, um, I think it was New Kids on the Block were doing a concert in the early 2000s, and one of them like just fell through a trap door? Oh, I, I saw a video of that actually oh, last no. week. Very yeah. funny, but also like Bring horrifying because you can die episode. that way. Oh my god, uh, that is terrible. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, I, I couldn't have died falling off like what a three-inch cork wedge. But, Someone's going to write a murder mystery about this now. But I Credit TV like you guys. I might have died. So wait, wait okay. Barring <laughs> the shame component of falling down, because that's always the worst. Like when you fall down and you bounce back up, you're like, nothing happened. <laughs> Go on with your discussion. Yeah, what did it feel like in the moment that you were falling off your shoes? Like where did you, what, what was the emotional, like wh- where were you? <laughs> in, in comprehension. I was really? just like, just, is this, this is happening? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, how is this? I'm going down. Is, I'm going down. <laughs> like, this is just that. Yeah. Okay, thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, so that all happened. And so I'm sorry that he took all your time. I hope other people find it amusing. But I really need um, Marion. Yes. I'm going to put Marion on the yes, spot for yes, a minute because yes. I would like you to tell our, our listeners, our loyal fan base, 
why you're in Philadelphia this weekend. One of the main reasons. Oh, this is really exciting. This is so um, freaking exciting and special. So a dear, um, dear friends, a couple, um, Andrew Gussman and Jennifer Ginsburg are getting married, and uh, they've asked me to be the celebrant, which means I have to, uh, I'm going to be <laughs> hosting here. their wedding, basically. Wow. And yeah. they've written their own vows, and they've asked me to welcome their guests to the service. And it's been, um, it's funny, I could cry now, actually. It's been <laughs> such a joy to like focus on joy right like yeah. what are what are the words that you can speak to a group of people to call them together to witness other people's aspirations and plans and hopes and, and yeah. declaration of love it's been great yeah. and so of course I spent like you know the last month worrying about what the hell to wear <laughs> I'm like should I show my boobs or not I don't know like what do you do like is it a tank dress is it I don't know but Andrew and, and Jennifer um, are a fantastic couple and and loving friends and friends to each other primarily and also to their their friend group so yeah we wish them all the joys yeah all the joys. yeah they're really just lovely people mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. got our uh, fabulous editor paul siegel through the connection with that's andrew right. guzman so that's a whole other line yes. of things but that's why they're part of pbq family that's too right. in this that's uh, a big celebration tangential but real way yes so okay. yeah okay so, before we move on what what are you going to wear oh i still have <laughs> I, I told her what to wear. So just I, this I bought. I, I have all alternatives, right? I have this like like strappy blue number, right, with a shawl to put over my shoulders because actually living in Abu Dhabi has made me completely prudish about showing anything, <laughs> like no elbows, no no shoulders. Um, so and then I have this other um, like kind of sexy black dress and you know no shoes to go to Kathleen's point. I actually don't have shoes for this wedding, so maybe I'll just be barefoot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, people get married barefoot all barefoot, the time. It's barefoot. kind of a thing, right? Now. Barefoot celebrating, barefoot sure. weddings, Same cowboy time. boot weddings, yeah. flip yeah. flop weddings. I've been to all of those. Yeah, to be yeah. perfectly honest. Okay, so I wore sandals <laughs> to my own wedding, but yeah. your I wedding was fabulous. Yeah, I will wear shoes, but thank you. That's good advice. And flats. You <laughs> well. flats. All right. I will really. Okay, I'll I'll send you a couple selfies, um, <laughs> and we'll determine what the heck. I mean, in. after Kathy's story, like I think it's really like I think that was a sign that you need to wear flats. Flats, right? They're well, so I'll fall off myself. <laughs> they won't right? fall off, even if they break. But you don't fall off my shoes. <laughs> that wouldn't be good. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. But speaking of being knocked off your shoes, let's talk about poems. <laughs> what a great transition. What a great lead in there. Anyway, <laughs> of the year goes to Marion Curtis Red. Like, <laughs> um, are you reading the first one? I want to read the first one. Yes, I really do. So this okay. is um, this is uh, three. We're looking at two poems uh, by the poet Bino. Um, let's see there. Right? Because Rialio? we have focused it, on I believe it's uh, Rialuyo. I'm, I'm going to give that a right. shot. It's Bino Rialuyo. Real, I can't. My dad's Italian, so I, I'm like somewhat slightly okay Rialuyo. with Spanish pronunciation. It's, it's Rialuyo. I think so. Right? Bino Rialuyo. And I hope we keep that in because um, it's a beautiful name and it has such music and I'm tongue-tied. And so, Bino, I hope I do your your, your music justice in this fantastic poem. Yeah. Um The title is The Other Rebel, and it's got an epigraph, and it starts with, After your last words, you cannot have us both. Your open lips on my chest, what I heard last, what stayed the longest, second only to white noise that began when you left, fever-faced, for your cherry blossom garden, an island of impermanence, mono no aware. 
where nothing lasts. Transience is not a language hearts speak. Mine was taught to speak longevity, the why not try and try again. How I ended up with the two of you was not the work of desire, but of truths unfolding inside me more than yours, pages of a red, red rose revealing how three hearts could bloom from rebellions. That night, I stayed at my only spot to take root, learning to find essence in the ephemera, how cherry blossoms bloom together only to die at once. Thank right. you. Thank you. Um, mono aware is a Japanese term used to describe the cultural idea of impermanence, especially one associated with cherry blossoms. Yes. That is a note that we got from the author and we're appreciative of. Yes, very yes. much. Very <clears throat> much. All right. So here we go. Um, maybe I'll also, I maybe should have even said this before Marion read that for us, but... Um, this author has written many, many, many sonnets. Um, they are not in a suite, but he has, they are a collection mm-hmm. unto themselves. And he has published many of them in many places. <laughs> and so he's on a sonnet thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and here he is for us. I have to say I'm rather smitten with this piece, and I feel like it's a bit of an unfair judgment for me because of how, like, I love the idea of the impermanence of cherry blossoms. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's such a great metaphor for human existence in general, mm-hmm. how we're all collectively here for this very short experience in life, and then it, it, it passes before you even know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's nice. That's bittersweet. So are cherry blossoms. Truly. And I love the word smitten, too, because Mm -hmm. I think, you know, sometimes when we're reading poems and and then you might hear a pause in the podcast, it's because we're so deep in thought, right? We're so caught in the sort of complexities and the beauty of the language. And and that concept of mona no aware is often used with, like, mindfulness techniques, right? Like, sort of meditating on that impermanence and, and... cherishing that impermanence that that's actually a thing to turn towards rather than turn away from mm-hmm. transience is not a language hearts speak yeah yeah so it's a is this a love poem seems like a, str- a struggling poem, poem. <laughs> oh, sorry sorry jason <laughs> it's a breakup poem jason yeah, I mean, it's it's about, right, I mean, the epigraph after your last words, you cannot have us both, right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. a kind of love triangle mm-hmm. um, that, I mean, and we don't really have, like, the narrative of how it resolves, but we certainly have, like, the sense that um, the one, the lover that this is about is no longer with the speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, how I ended up with the two of you was not the work of desire, but of truth unfolding inside me more than yours. Pages of a red, red rose revealing how three hearts could bloom from rebellions. But then the cherry blossoms bloom together and die at once, right? And I, I, I read that as um, being caught between two people, but losing both of them. Mm-hmm. And that was the sort of impermanence, right? The like. Yeah, I thought it was it was really daft. I mean, things like I mean, 
it's hard to get away with red red rose uh-huh. it is it That's is true <laughs> yeah pages. and so like why do i like that so much um pages of a red red rose revealing how three hearts could bloom from rebellions i guess it's because all of those r's are carrying it across the line mm-hmm. more than yours pages of a red red rose revealing I, I, pages right. is, I think, what makes it um, intriguing rather than trite, mm-hmm. right? right? And from rebellions. <clears throat> and it's so in control of the metaphoricity, right? Like, we sort of have this metaphor with um, the cherry blossoms and the lovers, and I won't get into, like, tenors and vehicles, but mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it's really well handled. Right. I mean, it's able to go back and forth between the image system and the partners. And you never really get like, I mean, you only get a sort of like very brief glimpse of the actual narrative. But it's so well done. I personally appreciate kind of the lead in of the color red and then thinking about cherry blossoms, which are that lovely pink color, too. Maybe I'm just overreading this, but for me, you know, we do think of roses being cliche, but they also stand for passion. And so you kind of have this very fleeting beauty of the cherry blossoms that all die together at once. And these relationships, which are beautiful for a very short time before going away, but the passion is still kind of existing at the center of everything, like the way that a rose is sort of constructed. So I even just appreciated thinking of the colors together. Um, I don't know, I I really like that. Yeah, Yeah, you know, I think the the last two comments really do, um, I think Jason used the word deft, right? And now now that I'm thinking about like the tightness of the image structure and the way the metaphors are working and just the, like the words on the page, if you look at those, you know, the last two stanzas and the last two lines of the third to last stanza, as Jason pointed out, those repeated R's, but those repeated L's, the double O's, the double L's, like the double, like just the the way the B's and the R's and the and the actual letters on the page do this kind of tumbling um, mm-hmm. is freaking masterful. Like mm-hmm. because it, now you've got the delight in, in in a couple of ways. It's like in your ear, right? It's on the page, and the and it's not only the sounds of the words on the page, but actually the typography is is part of the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. And it's a sonnet PS, right? So there's a, a way it's working across these 14 lines that feels, um, you know, really well controlled. Yeah, smitten's a good word to describe this piece. Yeah, right? <laughs> Ali Smitten is it. Well, to put them in titles somehow, Ali. <laughs> Yeah, and the, the physicality of your open lips on my chest, mm-hmm. like really starting with that incredibly physical, almost like metonymic mm-hmm. moment. It's just, it's so grounding before we kind of move into um, a much larger image system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember when I came across this poem in the slush pile, I, I read that first first line of the poem before I read, you know, have the whole poem working in my head. And of course, I'm thinking of Whitman, right? That moment in um, Leaves of Grass where it's, you know, I've got one hand stretched to my beard, one hand stretched to your feet, right? And this sort of kiss, right? Of mm-hmm. uh, And embrace, um, right? And then, and then this poem becomes its own um, spectacular lament. Yeah. Wow, guys. Did we we I think we're ready to vote already. I think we are. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Voting to vote. Mm-hmm. 
Jason, can you text me? Yeah, uh, yeah your, your, your answer today. <laughs> Thank you. All right, let's go. One, two, three, vote. And it's a unanimous yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Way to go. Being a real yo. You know, just so, let's spell his name. B-I-N-O, and his last name is R-E-A-L-U-Y-L. All right? So, now, um, so, the, so I told you that uh, this, this author is... Um, and a sonnet frenzy, as it were. <laughs> and I hope you won't mind that, my saying that either. But anyway, um, all three that we received have the same title, The Other Rebel. Um, they have different epigraphs, and they are different poems entirely. But um, So this one is also called The Other Rebel. And I think Isabella's going to read this one for us. Yes, I shall. Yeah. Um, just as a heads up, we do have some more Japanese terminology here in the last stanza, and I believe we have some either references to deities or names of specific deities, so I'm going to do my best with the pronunciation. So. Yay, thank you. Okay, so The Other Rebel. Para Victor. I don't know what your departure taught me. Our last night was no tea ceremony. I didn't know the essence of tea until a decade later. My heart lost its tongue after a series of silence, interlocking like columns of a wooden pagoda. I had no wood left, no pillar to keep me still, and learned from moments what we were always taught. Forgive, distance, undo. It was silence I swallowed when you left. A karakuru doll that only turned around as soon as you lifted its weight, facing a wall until its wound again for tea time. I imagine how many gods you will meet. Benzai Ten, flowing, flowing from the past. Ida Ten, speeding into the future. Kami, and everything we touched. Nicely done. Thank you, thank you. Another lovely piece to read. Yes. I like that you called it a sonnet frenzy. <laughs> <laughs> Ali, do you know what a Kari, Kari Kuri doll is? A Karakuri doll, I'm not certain. Um, I know kami is uh, the word for uh, god in Japanese. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to look up what the other two terms ah. mean, though. Uh, I did, I did, and it, I just found out that they were, the first one is a female, but all of them were kind of like general gods in a way. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to, that's probably really ignorant of me to say, but there wasn't a lot of specificity. But the, the Karakuri doll, which I don't actually know, like I can't call that image to mind, right? Mm -hmm. um, she's, she's facing a wall until she's wound again for tea time. Um, that's an interesting image. Like I, didn't, it, it's, um, I didn't realize it was mechanical, mm. right? I'm sorry. I think I misread that when I was when I was reading. I think I mispronounced oh, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Moved, yeah. Right? Like, yeah. I'm yeah. so sorry, yeah. everyone. It was wound. No, but it's it's funny how. <laughs> but that's I get that right. Like it feels like it could it could like the like your ear wants it to be wound, right? Or your eye wants it to be wound. But if I'm if I'm understanding what the karakuri doll is, then no, it, that makes it's sense. Something with a mechanism. So a, kar a karakuri doll is a wind up tea serving doll. It's um. Oh. It's kind of like. Like one of those ducks that you saw when you were little that kind of like waddles forward. Yeah. But they have like a little plate that, that holds a teacup. Oh. oh. Wow. Okay. All right. And I'm going to point out that we're, we're using the word sauna, but it is 15 lines. This one's 15 lines. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm only telling you that on his cover letter he said he attached your three sonnets. 
I know. And, and the he song talked about to be the sonnet. by the turn and the relationship of the octave to the sestet, even when the octave and sestet maybe are not exactly eight and six. But um, just saying. Yeah. Right, so there should be a turn, the volta, right? But, you know, what are, and so, and the major differences between an Italian sonnet and a, an English sonnet, what are the, the quatrains and the couplet? And these are what? What would you? I mean, we're looking at. Yeah, I mean, in, in the. I mean, when you're looking at the the Italian versus the English, um, they both have a shift in the middle um, after the eighth line. Although in the Italian, it's usually the only shift, and it's a much stronger turn. Whereas mm-hmm. in English, you often have a milder shift, and then you have like the really hard turn going into the final couplet. But um, but no, I, th- I think it it turns it. It was silence I swallowed when you left, mm-hmm. and then. It's this image of the right. It, it moves from the narrative of missing the partner to the image of the tea service. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really love that second line. Our last night was no tea ceremony because I think it can invoke a lot of different responses. So a lack of order, a lack of mm-hmm. elegance, a lack of maybe composure. Someone who uh, is trying to confront a situation and has already kind of you know pre-planned that approach and then it just doesn't work in the face of the situation. I think there's just a lot you can take away from that. And so I like how you can go into the rest of the poem feeling a lot of different things and having a lot of different things kind of in the back of yeah. your mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like that. Was so soon. I um, was really, for me, it. I loved the turn being an actual turn and the line that, the line that Jason um, quoted, it was silence I swallowed when you left. Mm-hmm. I see the eye as the Carrie Curry doll, mm-hmm. right? Facing a wall. It. I just, I loved the thought of the self as the doll. Yeah, right. right. So it, it only turned around, right? Mm-hmm. It only turned around as soon as you lifted its weight. Yeah, that's neat. That's neat. But and to Isabella's point, I, that that second line too. Our last night was no tea ceremony. Like, I love the way the poem teaches you to read the poem, right? Because the yeah. first two lines feel really casual, right? They kind of feel um, like a, a sort of. It really could be a kind of vernacular description of a breakup or something. Mm. But then that parenthetical of like, I didn't know the essence of a tea, of tea until a decade later is like. Now I'm going to teach you the essence of tea, right? Now I'm going to teach you the essence of the tea ceremony. I'm moving into that specificity, like the the poem like deepens into itself, which is just makes me slow down as mm. a reader, right? Like, and I, I think as your point is like the thing you think you know it's going to do isn't exactly what it does, even though it delivers yeah. on those expectations. And the fact that you just use the phrase "slow down" is very appropriate again for this image of the tea ceremony because yeah. it is a reflective and respectful time, mm-hmm. so it really works in itself very well, you know, the format of what it's what it's talking about here, so that, that's great, yeah. I think. Yeah. I wish I knew more about those gods, though. That's my own experience. Yeah, well, uh, right. right, and you know what, that last kami and everything we touched, mm-hmm. that's, yeah. that's just... Well, we're, you know, there's always the difference kind of between Shinto and uh, Buddhist, um, what we're talking about here. So, of course, the fact that we don't know probably, you know, might add something to the poem that we're not totally sure about. But it also, I think, invites readers to do a little bit of research, too, which is never a bad thing, especially Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. it's always really interesting to learn about things like this. So, Mm -hmm. you know. And it explains the roles of the gods. Yeah. I mean, that one of them is flowing from the past, that the other one, like, is taking you forward, and the other one permeates all things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, that ending it, is so well done. It contains what you need to know about the gods. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and and from a really simplistic, ridiculous understanding of kami, it it means God in everything. It really is the most general of terms, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's one of those words that's hard to translate. I mean, mm-hmm. in animated things, it's often translated as God with a capital G, but I think it could be read as two meanings. So that kind of Western equivalent, and then what you just said, mm-hmm. sort of that greater essence of spirit, mm-hmm. maybe for mm-hmm. lack of better words. So sure. In everything we touch, yeah. right? That's mm-hmm. that's pretty mm-hmm. beautiful. I love that. That's the last uh, thing. That's what we're left with. It's a end. beautiful wrap up. Yeah, really beautiful. Past tense. I have, Lovely. I, I will say though, I have I have less of a sense of um, the departure, mm-hmm. right? That it, in the first one, I had I had a very very clear sense of um, the ending relationship. Mm-hmm. And in this one, even though it, it's so clear in that first line, I don't know what your departure taught me. Like, I felt like I was completely focused on the lesson or the meaning rather than the actual loss. Yeah, maybe this is just me, but I felt like the first piece was very charged with emotions, continuously, you know, thinking over and just kind of that remnant of that, that relationship that's probably just ended maybe abruptly. And this one seems to me... You're, the the speaker's kind of acknowledging that this departure has taken place, but it sort of slips into this general reflectiveness. Um, so maybe the speaker's thoughts about that particular relationship kind of become sub to the rest of what's going on here. And then so we kind of move away from the I at the beginning, and we're literally ending with Kami. So we're really talking about moving from like a little microcosm to the big picture here. Um, so mm-hmm. may, I think there seems to be a difference of intent there uh, and from my reading. Hmm. So I I have a very nitpicky question for you all. Look at the second stanza. The first line on the second stanza. My heart lost its tongue after a series of silence interlocking like columns of a wooden pagoda. So yeah. Right. I'm sorry. Pause. <laughs> Big dramatic pause. My heart lost its tongue after a series of silences, plural, or a series. Yeah, I did. Right. Like kind of stumble over that mentally when I was reading it. Wow. It doesn't matter. I mean, maybe if it wasn't she, broken onto a second line, it would be easier yeah. to keep it well, uh, together. Yeah. yeah I don't head. think it needs to be silences because mm-hmm. it's because it's series of silence. It didn't stop me at all. That's that's the yeah. thing. That's why I wanted to come back to it because it didn't stop the reading and it didn't stop me until I'm, yeah, I started to like sort of unpack some of the images that he's um, stitching together here. I guess also because we have the columns too. So mm-hmm. the silences somehow become merged with the columns for me. So for yeah. sure, if we're searching yeah. for a plural a unconsciously, we get we get mm-hmm. one right right in the next line. Um, mm-hmm. So the silences themselves are interlocking, mm-hmm. and like an overarching structure here that two people could be standing under. Pagoda. Yeah. Gosh, you guys, and in the middle too. It and learn from moments what we were always taught: forgive, distance, undo. It was silence I swallowed when you left. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the metaphor for like everything unspoken in the relationship, right? Like yeah. all the things that you wish you had said to your mm-hmm. SO. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. even like a mother or father. Um, yeah. It's also like forgive and distance kind of seem like those um, contradictory words, right? So idealistically, if we forgive, we hope that will kind of at least bring us closer to someone in a certain sense. But 
you know, sometimes that doesn't happen, and so you have to put it that distance. Maybe the forgiveness comes from another place. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of appreciate that contrast working together because it seems like it doesn't fit. Almost like, you know, the silences fit, but this doesn't quite fit. So trying to fix the relationship doesn't doesn't yeah. work together, but the silences somehow seem to keep becoming structured. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, forgiving. And distancing oneself do seem like two different ways to, to, to get to something. the same thing, yeah. right? The undo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you think about it was silence I swallowed when you left? To remain silent, to allow the leaving, to not, you know, yeah, I think that silence when you left is like that doll standing in the corner, just... Complete. It was it was weird to me because on on one hand like usually if you if you use that construction right like I swallowed my pride yeah that's what I thought it was uh, yeah. I swallowed your anger like it usually means that you're like taking it into yourself in a way that like takes it out of the world mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and here like I had a very clear sense it was actually a silence that um, was being lived inside of as well as being taken in. Mm -hmm. I think I kind of read it as a moment of acceptance of the situation or let or you know the fact that this couldn't be resolved in another way and this is what's going to be the outcome because I also kind of read it as like normally if you see this construction um, I guess what I would think of is swallowing something that you really you kind of want to say instinctively but you realize that it's not going to be the best thing for the situation and you kind of like just trying to repress yourself but so act actually actively swallowing the silence instead of having the, sol the silence swallow you I don't know I kind of feel like there's mm -hmm. Mm -hmm an intent there, you know, something specific about the way that that's constructed made me read that in a different way. I don't know what your departure taught me. And then later, what we were always taught. Right. That's, right? that's the thing that I'm tracking too. So what we were always taught is to forgive, to distance, to undo. But in that departure, I had no wood left, no pillar to keep me still and learn from moments. Like I couldn't learn, right, what we were always taught, right? Like So there's that gap between what you think you know you're supposed to do and what you're trying to aim for and what you're left to achieve. And it was silence I swallowed when you left. So there's, it's, and what I, what's so intriguing to me too is the way the line break is teaching you something about what you're meant to learn and what you actually learn. Like, there's mm -hmm. a little gap there. There's, mm -hmm. like, a little cognitive dissonance. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that works. You know, which is mm -hmm. super cool. Like, it, it's it's interesting to puzzle that through. You know, forgive, distance, undo is that to say detach, 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 right? Um, and it was silence I swallowed when you left. Ah, it's a fascinating little, little, little puzzle at the center. I think there's been a lot of silence. <laughs> I think that, I think they're not there. You know, the other and the speaker mm -hmm. are not talking yeah. at, about what things they need to talk about. Mm -hmm. Right? Series of silence. Like the whole thing mm -hmm. is about the silence. The mute yeah. doll. The everything's yeah. silent. Yeah. So and that and that's why the departure was also just quiet. Mm -hmm. Right. How are we feeling, folks? Are we feeling like we can 
take a vote? Almost, almost. Yeah, I just almost. one one last thing, right? It goes back to that second line. Our last night was no tea ceremony. Has anybody been to a tea, tea ceremony? I'm, I, I'm confessing my ignorance here. I know about them, but I've never participated been or seen one. one yourself. I've yeah. never been to a tea ceremony, but I can only imagine that it's very like a, a very formal, calm. You know, like everybody is being proper and very. Uh, polite to each other mm-hmm. type of type of environment. I've seen like video clips and I was almost at one at the Cherry Blossom Festival this year but my friends and I were right at the threshold and there were too many people mm-hmm. so they couldn't let us in unfortunately but yeah. I, I've been to demonstrations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are they terribly quiet? That's what that my, my only question it about the tea ceremony that's my question. is yeah. how much how quiet they are. It's quiet. Very quiet. Yeah. yeah that's what I figured. Right. Mm-hmm. Very quiet. Right. Okay. And if you, and if, because also, um, as you keep the, t- you keep pouring the hot water into the tea leaves, mm-hmm. and as you brew the subsequent um, teas, the flavor changes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so there's this kind of um, journey through um, the the brewing the of, of the tea in a way that's very. Um, I mean, it's not Western, right? I mean, we like McDonald's because we want to eat the exact same thing everywhere we go. Mm-hmm. And for it to, we, we really want a kind of monoculture. Right. Um, and like, it's, it's very much about a kind of transformative process that's incredibly reflective and quiet. Mm-hmm. Okay, that really helps me, Jason, because I think what um, Bino Rialuyo is doing here is building like contradictions into what seems like a really straightforward breakup, right? Like it's a reflection on a breakup, but it feels like it's like layer after layer of contradiction that adds to the meaning of those silences. So I think that's that's why I wanted to come back to that tea party for a minute. I mean, tea. Yeah. Oh, God. Very different. I bet tea parties are awfully loud. (laughs) My goodness gracious. Awfully verbose at the tea parties. Well, and thanks to Jason's explanation, I'm also thinking now, too, if you kind of want to put it in emotional or metaphorical terms, Mm -hmm. if we're thinking about the tea flavor being transformed as uh, the water's being poured by and, you know, into each subsequent sort of teacup or whatever, it's almost like what's coming afterward is being... You could think of it as being tainted by what's come before it. So if we're thinking about this in terms of relationships and things continuously mm-hmm. building up on each other, I think that also adds another mm-hmm. quiet dimension to the piece. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's very helpful. Yeah. Okay, now we're ready. It. Now, <laughs> now we're ready. Thank you. Thank okay. Uh, tea ceremony with Jason, me. you can write to Joe or me, whoever you'd like. All right? Whoever you like better. <laughs> That's not fair. Oh my God, this is a referendum. <laughs> <laughs> like, no popularity contest. See who First Jason chooses. Who you want to know, but, uh, uh, yeah, all right. Whoever's number is in my phone. Um, we do it that way. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> people, a whole bunch of people are just going to get a word. Okay, one, two, three, vote. And it's another unanimous guest. Um... Yeah, wow, thank you. I mean, listen, guys, just to reveal even more to our listeners to put you in on this sharing, we didn't know how these were going to go at all, you know? And we had um, an editor saying not so much, and then another editor going yes, yes, and then we were like, let's bring it to the 
podcast. And look what happened when we got in. And that's why our lengthy conversations about the work are so important. It takes and they time. Are it takes time. You're not here listening to us, mm-hmm. podcast listener. This is ongoing. This is what our conversations are like. <laughs> this is for real. For real. We will be having this our photo. This is not just for you. Right? <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad to share all of that with you listeners. And um, I ask you that you share with us your own um process and what you think of what we're doing and um, we thank you so much for continuing to read and to send in your work so anybody have anything else they'd like to say okay I'm going to squeeze <laughs> Mary's thighs one more time I'm going to say something before we go so I, was, I, got, I had a really wonderful opportunity this summer to teach at the Frost Place. Yes. And I told everyone there during the publishing conversation that they should listen to our podcast because this is, you know, a way to know what editors are thinking when you send their your work. Mm-hmm. But I just had to say, like, it was so wonderful to me to be at a conference and to just kind of be with so many other people who care about poetry. That just, just, you know, being with poetry in the woods for a week mm-hmm. where that was absolutely a given. It was just really wonderful. And I just I just wanted to like say, if you're not going to conferences, maybe go to a conference. <laughs> you know, that's great. That's great. Let yeah. me jump in on that and say too, um, one of the things that I do in the summer is host book clubs. Um, and I participate in the East Meadow Public Library's Lunch and Book Series. Um, and so Jason, on that note, I was in the basement of the East Meadow Public Library last, uh, I guess, uh, just a few days ago, in fact. Um, and we read Philip Roth's Plot Against America, mm-hmm. which was published in 2004, um, and mm-hmm. reads like a, f- a prophecy, frankly. Um, and to have a conversation around fiction by really um, passionate readers who are also passionate citizens in the basement of a public library might have been one of the most exciting things I've done this summer. (laughs) Um, And it's a great book, so I I, I highly recommend it. Um, You know, Roth can be a tricky figure. Yeah. And you just passed away in May. Um, But Plot Against America. Awesome. Definitely. You know, that brings us full circle to my my anecdotal story in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I was also... Even though I was dripping wet and caused a scene, it was amazing that that many people had come together on their lunch hour to talk about a book, you know? And I would also recommend the Trevor Noah. It was very good. Yeah. So, all righty. Thank you, thank you to everybody. And uh, keep reading. Cause scenes in the name of literature. Cause scenes in the name of literature. And thank you, you know, we love you. 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 We love you.